0: Good morning, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You know, um, the Jewish people have experienced a long and complex history, including both extraordinary triumph and devastating defeats. At first glance, it would seem difficult to determine which of these innumerable events is the most significant as we look back over Jewish history, one could suggest that we might pick the Spanish Inquisition and the expulsion from Spain as a uh, significant event. We also might look at the destruction of the temple in uh, 586 B.C. by the Babylonians or in 70 A.D. by the Romans – And of course, uh, in modern times, we could look at the Shoah, the Holocaust, as a seminal event in Jewish history, and on the positive side, certainly in 1948, the creation of the State of Israel. Nevertheless, one event stands out above the rest, Yitzhiot Mitzrayim, the Exodus from Egypt. The redemption of the Jewish people from Egyptian slavery, according to some, that took place nearly 3,400 years ago, and which continues to be, for many reasons that we will explore this morning, the defining moment in Jewish history. So let us begin where Jewish learning always begins with the text. And so we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 13 verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read a little of it to you in Hebrew so you get a flavor for the original biblical text. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day on which you went free from the house of Egypt, the house of bondage, and how the Lord freed you from it, With a mighty hand, no leavened bread shall be eaten. You go free on this day in the month of Aviv. The month of Aviv is considered the first month of the Hebrew calendar. And now I turn to the last book of the Hebrew Torah, Deuteronomy. And I turn to chapter 16 and I read to you. Shamor et hachodesh ha'aviv, asita pesach la'onai, elohecha, ki bechodesh ha'aviv, techa adonai, elohecha, me mitraim, lila. Observe the month of Aviv and offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God, for it was in the month of Aviv at night that the Lord your God freed you from Egypt. You shall slaughter the Passover sacrifice for the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where God will choose to establish his name. You shall not eat anything leavened with it. For seven days thereafter, you shall eat unleavened bread, bread of distress, for you departed from the land of Egypt hurriedly. And so here is our reminder so that you remember the day of your departure from the land of Egypt as long as you live. We certainly see that these two passages, the first one from Exodus and the second one from Deuteronomy, emphasize the significance of remembering the Exodus epic. The Exodus text Um, was stated by Moses while the people were still in Egypt, even before they had physically experienced the episode. And it is stated in the context of an introduction to the laws of the annual observance of Pesach, meaning the sacrifice of the lamb. The second text was uttered 40 years later, just prior to their entrance into Canaan. We might ask, what might have made the event so significant that even prior to leaving Egypt, Moses felt it necessary to bring to their intention the importance of remembering what it was they were yet to have experienced? One might also suggest that Moses' charge to the people while they were still enslaved was an effort to free them mentally even before they were physically free, even before they had walked out of Egypt. This vision of freedom, of being at a place in their future when they were looking back on their slavery, might be said to be an empowering psychological suggestion. That's the first two biblical passages that introduce us to the importance of yitziat mitzrayim and now i'm going to take you in a somewhat different direction but from which we learn a great deal about yitziat mitzrayim this is from exodus chapter 13 verse 9 and this shall serve you as a sign on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead in order that the teaching of the Lord may be in your mouth that with a mighty hand the Lord freed you from Egypt again Yitziat Mitzrayim you shall keep this institution at its set time from year to year. Now we have another biblical statement about the importance of Yitziat Mitzrayim. For those of you who are listening carefully, of course, you notice that the text begins by mentioning the practice of placing a sign upon one's hand and one's forehead. Yes? Uh, So, to what does this text refer? Our rabbinic tradition understands this as the basis for the obligation to wear phylacteries, or in Hebrew, to tefillin, on one's arm and forehead. That is done six days of the week. Wearing them is meant to serve as a sign that with a mighty hand God freed us from Egypt— Now, what kind of event, you might ask, is so important that not only are we charged with remembering it on a yearly basis at Passover, but we are charged with placing these, uh, to fill in these boxes with words of Torah on our forehead and our arms six days of the week, the only day that we don't do this is Shabbat or on um, a festival. We uh, place it to remind us that with a mighty hand God freed us from Egypt. Some commentaries explain that one will see them and remember the miracle and speak about it in every generation. Others suggest that this practice is an incitement that one should remember the Exodus as if the story is written upon your hand and that it should lay upon your forehead as an ornament, namely, adorn yourself with the Exodus. Bejewel yourself with it openly in the way that others adorn themselves with fancy head jewelry perhaps indicative of a certain sense of pride and willingness to let it be known to everyone that the great miracle that was done for the Israelites at the time of the Exodus continues to be a sign of God's involvement in the history of the Jewish people. So now we have moved from a biblical statement to remember— to a rabbinic understanding that the practice of phylacteries is a physical reminder, let us move on to a very different understanding of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And now I'm going to move back to the text. And I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy 24, verses 17 through 22. Listen carefully. You shall not subvert the rights of the stranger or the fatherless. You shall not take a widow's garment in pawn. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the God, your God, redeemed you from there. Therefore, do I enjoin you to observe this commandment. I hope you're listening to the connection between what appears to be a uh, social justice, a clarion call for social justice and morality associated with Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We continue in the text. When you reap the harvest in your field and overlook a sheaf in the field, do not turn back to get it. It shall go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow in order that God may bless you. In all of your undertakings. And when you beat down the fruit of your olive trees, do not go over them again, they shall go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, do not pick it over again, that shall go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Always remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, do I enjoin you to observe this commandment? What a strange transition. Think about it. Moses is sitting in Egypt, and he says to the Israelites, before they've even left, remember the Exodus. Then they're standing on the precipice, overlooking the promised land. And Moses says to them again, remember the Exodus. Now, what we have to um, pull out of the recesses of our mind, of course, is that the people Moses spoke to at that moment in Deuteronomy did not experience the Exodus. The people going into the land of Israel um, were the generation born in the wilderness, So first we speak to the people who are about to experience the exodus. Then we speak to the next generation who knew not exodus, but are commanded to remember it. Then our biblical text tells us, you shall wear these phylacteries as a reminder of the exodus. Even though previously we were told Passover, the yearly event of Passover, was a reminder of the exodus. And now, Deuteronomy somewhat switches direction. Yes? Deuteronomy says the purpose of the Exodus is more than just a reminder of that event. In Genesis, God foretold the suffering that Israel would endure. As foreign slaves in an alien land. The place where he chose to describe this was specifically as part of the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15. This suggests that the Egyptian experience is somehow of fundamental significance to the very reason of being for the Jewish nation. What was the purpose of this experience? The Torah and Jewish tradition consider Yitzhak Mitzrayim a pivotal event, not just because of its significance in Jewish national history and not just because of what it revealed regarding the nature of Israel's God. But the section from Deuteronomy that I just read seems to suggest that Yitzhak Mitzrayim is important because it provides much of the basis for the Jewish commitment to social justice and morality. You know, as I um, chat with you this morning, Donald Trump has been nominated as um, the candidate for the Republican Party of the United States, and he will serve as their candidate for the presidency of the United States. During his um, convention, there was uh, very little mention of the obligation of one individual to help another individual. There will be much more um, said about that, it's my opinion, at the Democratic convention. Now, many would consider that the um, affiliation and affinity of the Jewish people to the Democratic Party is uh, endemic to the um, soul of the Jewish people uh, based on the Democratic Party's response to World War II in the United States. But the truth of the matter is that our topic for this morning, Yitziat Mitzrayim, is an introduction into the importance of the biblical commandment for social justice and morality. And Jews of faith who read the text and the variety of passages in which the Torah instructs us in our behavior towards the underprivileged are not choosing a political party based on secular values, but are choosing a political party that reflects the essential values that God has commanded us to manifest as members of the covenant. We are told in the Torah, we are not to subvert the rights of strangers and orphans. We are prohibited from taking a widow's garment as a guarantee for a loan. When reaping our harvest, if we overlook a sheaf, we must not retrieve it. When we pick and gather fruit, we must not go back a second time. Instead, we are told to leave the remainder for the strangers, the fatherless, And the widows. In our contemporary society, we customarily refer to gifts to those less fortunate than ourselves as charity. Charity, coming from the Greek charitas, is understood as that which is given voluntarily out of the goodness of one's hearts. There are no laws regulating one's charitable activities. The more compassionate we are, the more likely we are to give. But the Torah, the Constitution of the Jewish people, takes a very different view of charity. We are told that assistance to those less fortunate is a matter of law. We are required to act in a way that reflects sensitivity and concern for those who are vulnerable. Part of that which God has seen fit to give us must be given to the needy regardless of how hard we have worked for it or how attached we may be to it. And what is the basis for God's imposition of such lofty demands? Well, we've heard that this morning already. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. We were once a persecuted ethnic group who suffered at the hands of oppressors. We were denied of our dignity and were treated to great cruelty. The biblical text tells us that God in his mercy redeemed us and restored our self-esteem. But it was God who wanted us to endure in the first place. And he insists that we never forget that it, what it was like to be deprived of freedom and basic human rights. After the Exodus, there continue to be orphans, widows, and people who suffer abuse for various handicaps, all in need of hearing the clarion call of the Exodus of Egypt to serve those who are less fortunate. Those who have been privileged with the divine blessing of the Exodus are challenged to never forget their humbling experience and to show compassion and sensitivity towards others at all times. It's not that Jews, in particular, are Democrats or liberals or left-leaning. It's that Jews, hearkening to the word of their Torah, are called upon to respond to need wherever they see it. The political platform of the Jewish people is the Torah. And when people in the name of Judaism reject those commandments, God cries. God weeps. Not because the individual Jew joins a political party called conservative, Republican, Green, Liberal, No, God weeps when people forget that eternal challenge to remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that I redeemed you so that you would have your self-esteem. Let us continue. We'll leave the politics for just a moment and turn to Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy 15 says, continues with this notion of what Yitziat mitzrayan means. Let me read it to you. If a fellow Hebrew man or woman is sold to you, you shall serve you for six years, and in the seventh year you shall set him free. When you set him free, do not let him go empty handed. Furnish him out of the flock, threshing floor, and vat, with that which God has blessed you. Those who of you are blessed are obligated by God to share with others. Bear in mind that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, and God redeemed you. Therefore, I enjoin you this commandment upon you today. The children of Israel were once slaves in Egypt. They understood the humiliation involved in slavery. God understood this as well, and he created all humans in his own image to live with respect and dignity. He therefore freed Israel and punished their oppressors. But God warned against letting our good fortune go to our heads. They understood if an Israelite at some injunction in ancient times was forced to sell himself into slavery, because of dire financial circumstances, then we are required to be sympathetic to his situation. The period of slavery for that Israelite must be limited, and after which he is to be released. And when the Israelite slave is to be released, he must not go empty-handed, says the text. Furnish him out of the flock, threshing floor, vat with which the Lord your God has blessed you. We must share our blessings, the Torah says, because after all, we also were once slaves bereft of possessions of our own. Let me again indicate that while that certainly sounds as if it was um, left-wing politics, it's really a sense of the glory of the Torah All that we have is given to us by God. Some of which we have, we have earned. Much of which we have, we have not earned. We are fortunate. We are blessed. And through those blessings, we have an obligation to share that with others. Now we're going to take a different tack. In the book of Deuteronomy, for which we spent a good deal this morning, the notion of Yitziat Mitzrayim is linked with Shabbat. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, says Deuteronomy 5.12, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. remember, and you and your son and your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or your ass or any of your cattle or the stranger in your settlements, all must rest on that day. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God freed you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day as a reminder of Yitzhiot Ritzmayim, Yitziat Mitzrayim, the Torah here links Shabbat with Yitziat Mitzrayim. What is the connection, you might ask? Is not the Shabbat a commemoration of the creation of the world, an event that predates Yitziat Mitzrayim by a significant amount of time, even by a number of pages and books in the Torah? The creation of the world is not only the foundation for Shabbat, We are commanded to rest along with our subordinates, human and animal. Shabbat teaches us the proper treatment of those less fortunate than ourselves. It indicates the value of abandoning all class distinctions for one day each week. The commandment, not merely to treat our subordinates kindly on Shabbat, and, but rather to rest from labor along with them. How do we know this? From our experience in Egypt, where we were all equally subjected to second-class status and slavery, God saved us from that predicament and allowed us to develop and prosper as free human beings. But freedom often leads to distinctions in terms of wealth and status. God wanted to ensure that while that definitely would happen, we recognize that despite appearances, no Jew and no individual is really different from one another. There is no real basis for divisions between us based on financial or social status. God therefore established Shabbat in which we are to acknowledge that none of us is superior to one another. Boy, how did we get there? We started with leaving Egypt and the Passover celebration. We connected Passover and its remembrance to tefillin. A daily remember from a yearly reminder to a daily reminder to an obligation to treat the poor because we were blessed with the redemption from Egypt. And finally, we link the redemption from Egypt to Shabbat in which we are reminded that all human beings are God's creatures. No wonder Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the preeminent historical event in Jewish traditional life. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, wishing you a good day. Shalom.